welcome to Unchained TV, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. You're about to hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your health, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Hello, and I am honored to have with me today leaders of an organization who are making headlines globally. Look at these headlines. Associated Press, probably the biggest news outlet um, print-wise in the world. Animal rights group says chickens were abused, but Tyson Foods cut ties with the farm on its own. We'll get to that. Uh, Vox, undercover audio of a Tyson employee reveals free-range chicken is meaningless. These are just some of the headlines that the Animal Outlook undercover investigation is making. Let's go straight out to Cheryl Leahy, who is the executive director of Animal Outlook and has written a 60-some page letter demanding a criminal investigation. What is the very latest, Cheryl? So that's right. So our legal team took all the material that the investigator, who you actually will hear from here today on the phone, was able to document. Uh, They put together all the factual materials and a detailed legal analysis, what's different about this investigation versus basically any other investigation that we've done, as I think this one shows the clearest connection to Tyson itself. In the chicken industry, they call these companies integrator companies. The actual, what you would you think of as a farm, but it's really not a farm. It's a big, you know, these big windowless sheds with, you know, tens of thousands of birds in them. So I'm going to call it the facility. Those facilities are considered contract growers and Tyson's considered the integrator. So in our case, we're asking for criminal prosecution of both the facility, the manager you see here on the screen now, and also, uh, you know, some others as well as Tyson as a corporation. So that's really what's, I think, interesting here. And it, it's very clear that the cruelty, it's systemic, that it's just part of the way that business is done. There was apathy at every level. And I think, you know, it's going to be very difficult to look at this investigation and think, you know, this was some sort of one-off bad apple because it's just so bad across the board. Now, you are looking at video obtained by the undercover investigator working for Animal Outlook. And we have that undercover investigator on the phone. Tyson has issued a statement. We're going to read it in just a bit. However, we want to go straight out to uh, Jim. Uh, This is how he is going to be identified. He is the undercover investigator who shot this video. Um, I want to ask Jim who is going to remain anonymous, what has your emotional reaction been to having been there for a couple of months and seeing all of this and really not being able to help that much, although I saw you did uh, take a little chick who was too short to reach the water and you um, raised her up so that she could have some water, which she was frantically jumping for. Jim. Hi, Jane. Uh, thank you for having us. Uh, uh, I'm glad you brought up uh, the the bird that uh, I, I helped get water. Uh, there's quite a few of those birds uh, that I tried to help. I, I, I think what's haunting is 
is the birds that I couldn't help because there, there's so many more of those, and uh, and those tend to to stick. Those memories tend to stick a little bit harder. Uh, it, it's it's a very haunting experience uh, being at these places. The the, the memories they, they really they really stick with you. Uh, so there's uh, there, there's a, a lingering effect to it. We are looking at footage that you recorded. Did you ever feel that your safety was in danger? You're wearing a hidden recording device and working here. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. What have we become as a human species? And for those of you listening, it, these are chickens who they're, they're bred to be so fat that they can't walk on their legs. I mean, these are animals missing eyes with maggots in their heads, uh, gasping for air. What are we as a species? Shame on us. Shame on us. Oh, my God. Um, did you ever feel your safety was in danger? What was it like to, to, first of all, you're my hero for, for risking, look at this, this animal's desperately trying to walk, but can't Jim. Thank you. Uh, so we're very cautious in how we approach these things. So we try our best to, to be safe and, and my team, uh, looks out for my safety. So I feel very protected as much, you know, as much as we can do. Uh, but yeah, there is uh, some sense of risk and, and, and fear going into these places, but I, I feel like the birds suffering and the, the nightmare that they face may, makes it, it's not comparable. Uh, so, I really have to get my courage and my strength from from these animals who face so much more than me. Honestly, I felt traumatized just having to download this video, then edit it, then re-upload it. Now I've watched it numerous times. I feel traumatized. There's the little chick who can't reach the water. And you that's your hand just helping her. But, you know, with tens of thousands of these chicks in there. Uh, you can't help everyone when you're there as an undercover investigator. That would give you away real fast, wouldn't it? So um, we're going to go out to the phone lines. We've got a caller, Lindsay from Tarzana. Your question or thought? Yes, thank you for taking my call in, Jim. Thank you so much for your sacrifice. I can only begin to try to imagine what it's like to have that running through your mind over and over. I mean, just like Jane had just said, looking at it on the, on the television, which I'm watching the streaming, uh, it's traumatic, but you're there with the smell and the sounds and just the energy surrounding you and how horrific. But on a positive note, I would like to say that this is so incredible that we are making the progress of getting this out there and it's becoming more in the public eye and it's just a matter, I feel very strongly, a matter of time until this ends. We just have to keep the pressure on and thank you again so much for what you do, your work. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Um, 
Wow. Uh, it's just it's just so sad. Now, let me ask you, Cheryl Leahy, you are an attorney and you are the executive director of Animal Outlook. Um, again, this made headlines. But what did you do afterwards to demand um, justice? Well, so we actually submitted the material before the media came out and asked for what we believed are pretty strong arguments that a number of potential defendants, including Tyson, like I mentioned, be prosecuted for cruelty. I thought it was pretty interesting that when the media story came out, there was a response from Tyson, which I think you have a copy of, and they seemed to want to distance themselves from this particular facility. And I think it's so interesting to look at the facts. I mean, you know, it's a luxury for us to even get any facts. People like Jim going in and being, you know, he's very humble, but he's an incredible investigator. There's a lot of skill that goes into this. It's not just the courage and the kind of emotional trauma. There's, you know, a lot that goes into kind of doing investigations. And he was able to put together a really robust investigation, which was a lot of evidence of material that we believe to be animal cruelty. And that includes the fact that there was a Tyson employee on site, they called a broiler tech advisor. And she was actually part of her job was to oversee the facility, including animal welfare. And she was in that role for seven years, approximately seven years, and, you know, knew what was going on and just kept delivering birds. So part of our argument is, you know, that's on Tyson. That's something that Tyson should be doing. Even more damning, though, I think is the fact that among the series of issues, the categories of issues that we believe violate the Virginia state animal cruelties code is the withholding of feed. And Jim talked about the water and Jane, you mentioned that as well. In one instance in particular, these animals were deprived of feed for over two days, about 52 hours. And it's Tyson's job to deliver the feed. So that's on Tyson directly. And then what's also interesting under Virginia law, if you're the owner of the animal, you have to take care of the animal, right? It's your job to make sure that you don't allow cruelty to happen. So there's a series of arguments that we're using. And I think the facts are really robust and supported here. So we're, you know, this is not the first time that we have investigated Tyson and seen quite a bit of cruelty and in fact have been successful in the past. We investigated twice, 2016 and 2017, and both of those cases resulted in successful criminal prosecution. Now it's about taking it to the next step and really making a company like Tyson, uh, you know, accountable for the actions that it's taking. I mean, my takeaway in this case is how can we have a society, I mean, this sort of goes to your comments before Jane as well, where we have multi-billion dollar companies, many, many billions of dollars, you know, that this company, Tyson's the largest U.S. chicken company. Uh, and, you know, we can't have a legal system that just allows them to operate as though they're above the law. So I'm cautiously hopeful about it. But either way, I think having this material out in the public and something that we can all feel, you know, we can feel sort of, you know, sadness and horror and, and just shock at this, but that should be a sign that we care. And most of us do care. The vast majority of people care about animal cruelty. And so, you know, this is sort of an opportunity to see something we usually don't get to see 
and we can do something with that. We can stop eating animals. We can help people stop eating animals. So I think there's already good to have come out of it uh, and, you know, more to be done. And we've got another caller, Michelle in Los Angeles, your question or thought. Hi, thank you for doing this work. It's incredibly horrific. And uh, I was watching the video of the manager, the guy, like I was wondering what he was twirling and it was an animal. It was a chicken. I couldn't believe it. My question to you is like, how is Tyson distancing themselves from this? This is clearly one of their facilities. What can we do? Well, I can take that. So I think the, you know, so just for a little bit of kind of chicken industry 101, (laughs) these are large companies that the industry calls integrator companies. So Tyson is an integrator company and they have these, what they call contract growers. So this particular facility is technically its own facility with its own owner, but Tyson is the one that actually owns the birds. So there's quite a bit of interesting kind of you know, fairness and exploitation issues vis-a-vis the humans involved and the corporate entities involved. Um, and obviously the animals kind of get the worst of it, but that's, that's what they're doing is they're kind of trying to distance themselves through that and saying, Oh, well, you know, we already closed it down. Well, you know, that's the, you know, that's not really the whole story. Well, we have some statements from Tyson that I'd like to read and we are going to discuss that because Generally, every time there's a major investigation like this, you have uh, statements. So let's get straight to those statements. Um, Here we go. Uh, Tyson Foods response to video, and we invite Tyson on, any representatives or anybody from the chicken industry to respond further at any time. Quote, we were disturbed by what we saw in the video, end quote. Tyson Foods spokesman, spokesperson Kelsey Gibbs wrote to Vox over email, quote, since January 2023, no Tyson food birds have been placed on this farm and the farmer no longer has a contract to grow for Tyson foods, end quote. Uh, And then the article in Vox goes on to say, in March, Tyson foods announced it was shutting down operations in the area. So what is your response to that? Cheryl? Yeah, so I think that's some selective, um, you know, facts there. So that article comes out in the morning. Later in the afternoon is the AP story where I think Tyson made a little bit more, kind of expounded on some of those comments. And then the following morning, Sentient Media published a piece where the reporter there, Sophie Cavani, was able to get quotes from the facility owner uh, who corroborated the position that we took in the AP story, which you kind of alluded to in that Vox quote, which is that Tyson was shutting down a plant in the area and as part of that process, you know, closed dozens or shut off its its contracts with dozens of individual growers, contract well, growers in that area. Let me area. jump so, in and just uh, read the Associated Press response. Uh, the Associated Press could not immediately locate a contact at the farm itself. A spokesman for Springdale, Arkansas-based Tyson, which processes 20% of U.S. beef, chicken, and pork, denounced the conditions that Animal Outlook documented in the video and pictures shot at the farm and said the company ended its contract with the farm because it wasn't meeting Tyson's animal welfare standards. So continue on, Cheryl. And that's exactly the thing that the quote the following day in the Sentient Media article seemed to contradict. 
along the lines. I mean, obviously, look, we're always in a position of less power in terms of access to information than we should be, than we all should be as a public. These big companies are able to hold, you know, lots and lots of information secret that they don't want getting out there. From the information that we have, though, it seems pretty clear that, you know, there's some real systemic problems and Tyson is a major piece of this puzzle. So that includes the fact, as I mentioned, that it was Tyson's job to deliver the feed. And there was, you know, instances, including the one where the animals didn't get feed for over two days. That's directly on Tyson. They had a broiler technician advisor on the facility. She had been working there for years and years. They also had things like biosecurity protocol that they weren't, you know, adhering to. And the, you know, the, they also had a catch crew come in. Some of the abuse that you saw that you showed on your video is not related to the individual facility, but it's a separate catch crew that's acting kind of on behalf of Tyson. So, you know, what it's I think- It's at this place though. That was all at this place. Correct, yeah. correct. So what I'm saying is it's not just, oh, this is one bad actor farm. I think that narrative of this is one bad actor farm and we're on top of it and we, we care about animals is such a convenient and overused narrative that we see every time these investigations come out. I, I call it downward scapegoating, right? It's this it's this sort of crisis PR response where a big company gets called out, rightly so, in a, you know, a big kind of expose like this, and they immediately start pointing fingers downward at people who are less capable of defending themselves. And it's very convenient because it also gives the company a platform to say how much they care about animal cruelty issues. And they're not, you know, they don't have, a, they, you know, they're shocked and saddened, or they have a zero tolerance policy, right? I mean, you see that kind of thing all the well, time. Let me and jump in and say to that point, to that point, take a look at this. This is from Tyson's website. It is um, their animal welfare uh, position paper, as it were, and the big quote I just took away is, quote, proper animal handling is an important moral and ethical obligation. However, I would like to read the entire thing uh, that I have here. And we'll, we'll show the video at the same time, uh, the video that you got at this uh, facility. So uh, let me... Let me start here. This is Tyson's animal welfare statement. <clears throat> Consumers deserve to know their food is produced responsibly using best practices for animal handling at Tyson Foods. We take that responsibility very seriously. As a company, one of our core values is to serve as stewards of the animals that we depend on to operate. For us, proper animal handling is an important moral and ethical obligation. In 2000, Tyson Foods became one of the first companies in the meat industry to create an office of animal welfare, which is primarily focused on the proper treatment of live animals at our processing plants. In 2012, this effort was expanded with the development and introduction of the Tyson Foods Farm Check Program, which involves animal welfare audits of the farms that supply the company. It also includes an animal well-being advisory panel, farm animal well-being research program, and an internal management team led by the vice president of sustainable food production. What did you make of the statement from Tyson, their animal welfare standards, and the video of chickens that uh, are owned by Tyson and were produced for Tyson? Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct. So what you just did there, Jane, is extremely powerful right? It's that juxtaposition of the, the party line, the message that the industry wants the public to hear, and the actual reality. 
And unfortunately, we just don't have those kinds of opportunities as a, as a society to see behind that curtain until people like Jim go in and do those kinds of investigations and reveal the truth. And what we know from dozens of investigations over the years, including this one, is that animal cruelty is what the industry relies upon to exist. There is no sort of good way to do it. You know, there's there's no kind of, oh, this is just one bad apple issue, right? And I think that is such an inconvenient reality for the industry. And the fact that they have so much power and control over withholding and, and stopping people from accessing information that, you know, what the industry can do is just build these, you know, pretty narratives around it. And it's our job to see these kinds of videos when they come out, you know, much, much more rarely than the other messages from the industry and all the, all the beautiful advertising where they look so lovely. And, you know, it's our job to realize what an amazing opportunity this is to see behind this curtain and to see the reality. And what's interesting about this investigation is that it shows a lot more behind that curtain about how these industries operate, including at the integrator, the Tyson level. So it's apathy at every level. Everybody who could have stepped in and done something for these animals didn't. They just didn't care. And on top of that, the system is set up to rely on cruelty to make money off of cruelty. And our society, right, does not accept that. That's why companies like Tyson have to write statements like that. Yeah, so uh, this woman appreciated the juxtaposition and said it had to be traumatic to look at that for hours. Whistleblowers, you are doing important and crucial work. They are truly the heroes of our movement. Um, now, uh, one of the short clips that made the most news, I'm going to play it right now, and then you and Jim, hopefully Jim is still on, can analyze it. Yes, great. Tell us what this is. So let me play it. It's short. Listen carefully. Those birds don't go So we're going to go back to Jim, our undercover investigator. That's the name we're giving him. Um, we don't know his real name or his identity. Um, Jim, put that in context. What was happening there? Names, please keep the names out of it. Thank you. Yes, uh, that was the facility manager and uh, the Tyson rep um, discussing free-range birds and uh, they casually talking and laughing about how the free range is just a, a word used for the public to mislead them, uh, essentially. So it is interesting how how open she was about it. It was very uh, surprising to me that she was so so blunt and nonchalant about the the blatant deception that uh, that they're they're doing. Uh, I, I just found it very interesting how how she was just so casual about it. 
of a personal question. Uh, did you ever fear that because you showed compassion here and there, like picking up that little chick so she could get water because she was too short to reach the water bowl, that that might tip them off that you're not just another worker? Uh, it, in the environment, there's there's always fear. Uh, but when you when you see when you see such suffering, there, there's something compelling inside of you that you're, you're driven to to help these small animals, uh, even at the risk of. Uh, uh, I, 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 you you never want to ruin an investigation, of course. Uh, but I, I felt that there's their suffering that their need uh compelled me to help them in that moment and I, I felt that the opportunity presented itself so uh so i took it wow well again uh the people who literally and i believe they risk their lives um I mean, obviously, violence is everywhere in our society, and they're doing undercover work, documenting things that certainly um, do not uh, show whoever they're documenting in uh, a favorable light, since the reason they're going in there is because this is, as you say, um, you maintain systemic. Um, so what? getting back to that clip, because that clip is so intense, what did you take away from that, Cheryl Leahy? Well, I think there's, so there's a couple of nuances here. They may not be clear just watching it for the first time. What she's saying is two things. One is, this is the broiler technician advisor for Tyson who's in that video. One is she's saying that free range isn't what people probably think it is, right? Which I think maybe those of us who have looked into this issue can kind of parse that out a little bit and start understanding that different labels mean different things. And and, you know, more likely than not, don't mean as much as people, I think, would hope for them to mean. I like this comment, says labels lie. Okay. The other element of what she's saying is that they're, she's strongly implying, if not saying outright, that they're staging this, right? She, she uses the term that's just for commercial purposes. She means advertising, right? She means commercials. And she's saying they'll just, you know, take the prettiest birds who aren't even the broiler birds and they'll put them out on the grass just to, you know, take some pictures basically for the, for the ads. Yeah, I that have a question. Really, yeah. Yeah. Was this a free range facility? It was not a free range facility. Okay. Did not claim to be free range. In fact, okay. there's not a lot oh. of free range facilities under Tyson. And I think, I think part of the appeal to companies like Tyson to take on a little bit of this free range labeling is it makes them look like they're better than average. Right. I think there's a certain amount of people who care about animals quite a bit, you know, like I said, 97% of the population opposes animal cruelty. In fact, that statistic stands no matter where you are in the world, you, however you slice up the population, right? Are you, your age, your, you know, country of origin, ethnicity, religion, gender, your political affiliation. We, it's just a human thing for us to oppose animal cruelty. And the paradox is that also everywhere in the world, there are these systemic horrible, cruel industries that, you know, cause immense amounts of suffering and killing for animals that the numbers we can't even understand. Like our brains literally cannot compute things like 9 billion chickens in the U.S. a year, obviously many, many higher numbers across the world. So that puts the companies like Tyson in a position of knowing that they can kind of manipulate people's perceptions. 
and tell them what they want to hear because they don't, you know, they control the information except for this little counterpoint that we're able to do these investigations and being able, you can go on our website and look at all the investigations we've done over the years. Every time we go into one of these places, it's a real problem. So our job, and I think the job of anybody who's kind of informed themselves about this and is inspired to do work is to really help people understand that the, that the industry, animal agriculture and animal cruelty are really one and the same, right? It relies upon, animal agriculture relies upon cruelty to exist. And if people make that connection, we're not, don't forget, you know, a lot of us vegans feel frustrated, right? Because we're like, how come people aren't going vegan? And it, it, there's a lot of super fascinating answers to that question, but it's not because of underlying values. People don't want animals to be abused, mistreated, you know, or, or basically left to languish and neglected, right? All under that cruelty umbrella. So our job is to help them make that connection and be supportive of them, help them kind of stand up in solidarity, boycotting the industry by not eating animals. But really it starts with understanding what is going on and seeing this, the truth of this and kind of undoing some of the brainwashing we're all a part of, where most of the messages we're all hearing from these industries our whole lives are messages from companies that are trying to get us to eat more animal products. So we've all seen, you know, cute, happy cartoons of animals out in the fields and stuff. And this is the stuff that can help kind of undo a little bit of that brainwashing. So of course Tyson's going to try to do that because it gets them where they want to be. But really the power is on our side as the general public, because as people, we don't want to see animals mistreated. We are going to take, wow. We're going to take a short break on Voice America Radio, which is uh, broadcast on Spotify, iTunes, etc., but we're going to stay live on the Unchained TV streaming app as well as Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all the social media. Please share this out. Uh, share this out. This is a story that everybody needs to know about so they can make informed decisions because ultimately this is a consumer issue. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Get Unchained. Tune in every Wednesday for Unchained TV on the Voice America Variety Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best-selling author, TV journalist, and the founder of the Unchained TV free streaming network, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Unchained TV, Wednesdays at 12 p.m. Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Unchained TV. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email in to jane at unchainedtv.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. And we are so excited to have you. We are giving you the information that the uh, mainstream media doesn't give you because look at the advertisers, the fast food and pharmaceuticals. So, why would they cover uh, an undercover investigation into one of their advertisers, right? Uh, so we are talking about this horrific undercover investigation that was done by Animal Outlook. Um, you know, I, I was traumatized just looking at the video while I was uploading it and editing it. And, uh, that's a process. You got to download it. You got to edit it. You got to upload it. I've seen it about five times now. And, um, it's, it's, there's no excuse. There is no, no, no excuse for this. And indeed, Tyson said they were disgusted by this and have ended their association. But the question is, um, why why did they let this happen? Okay, Uh, we read that statement that says that they have uh, a farm check program, which involves animal welfare audits. Uh, They have an animal well-being advisory panel. They have a farm animal well-being research program, an internal management team led by the vice president of sustainable food production. Where were all these people and these these organizations that are part of the uh, Tyson um, animal welfare statement? Uh, we've got some callers. All right, let's get to the callers. Uh, here we go. Ellen in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, your question or thought. Hi, uh, can you hear me? Yep. Yep. Okay. Wonderful. Hi, Cheryl. Hi, Jim. Uh, First of all, thank you both so much for this incredible work that you're doing. It's so important, uh, you know, to helping us get rights for other animals uh, so that they aren't treated in this cruel way. Uh, We've actually had Scott David uh, come out and speak uh, at our vigil, and I've heard him speak at other places, and I've just been completely appalled uh, by what he's seen. And I don't know if I'm allowed to ask each of you a question, uh, but uh, I'll start with Cheryl. Uh, I was wondering if there's any way that you can have more investigators on other farms so that they can't make this look like an isolated event. Great question. And I, you know, this one's a really robust kind of example here. We actually have done two other Tyson investigations and they both resulted in criminal cruelty prosecution um, and convictions. And that's, you know, that's the exception to the rule. And it's not because of the of the strength of the evidence in general with our investigations. It's often just because culturally speaking, you know, a lot of these law enforcement entities don't want to or don't think the animal cruelty law applies to farmed animals. 
And I think, you know, part of our kind of job and our mission as an organization is to make the cruelty law work more. But at the same time, we have a really important role in elevating that narrative with each investigation so people understand that, you know, it's not as though the justice system will just come in and do an amazing job and solve the problem. They just don't. I mean, kind of, in, in, same goes with internal policies, right? I mean, the statement that that Jane just wrote about, you know, where, where or just said, you know, about Tyson having all these supposedly people overseeing it. So I think it's important to think about every investigation being an opportunity to show another element of this system-wide cruelty and the way that the law fundamentally fails us. And I say that as a lawyer who is working really hard, right, an organization that has lawyers that are working really hard to make the law work better, but at the same time, the best thing we can all be doing is going vegan and educating people and using this as an empowering tool to show the truth and to help people, you know, be basically empower them to live within their values. So it's hard. That's an, that's a, a narrative we're always trying to fight, but we do have a strong record. Dozens of investigations show that this is not, not you know, an isolated thing. We've got yet another yeah. caller. Annie. Oh, um, you had a second question. Go ahead. Sorry, Ellen. I did. Um, and I also want to point out that it probably is really hard to work in these places uh, that are run by these, you know, these larger corporate animal uh, companies like Tyson Foods. So uh, that might also be one of the difficulties with the law enforcement there is that they are entangled into these businesses a lot of times in these smaller towns. Your second yeah. and my second question, oh, it's for Jim, uh, you know, and I just want to say, like, you know, the t undercover investigators are my heroes. They do work that I don't think I could do with a straight face. I don't know how you do that. Um, I would love to know how you do that and how you, um, you know, decompress from that. How do you, like, keep yourself mentally okay? Uh, thank you for, for your support. Uh, I, I I have something I, I kind of... Uh, uh, live by or find strength in it's uh, a verse that says have you considered the position you are in for <clears throat> for such a time as this and uh, uh, it, these, these investigations are, are very difficult uh, both mentally and physically I've suffered various injuries working at these places and and those are just the, the physical things. Uh, it, it leaves scars, both both seen and unseen. Uh, I, the the biggest thing that uh, really helps uh, push me through through the investigation and and carries me forward is the the animals themselves, uh, their strength. Uh, the measuring uh, of my suffering is minuscule uh, compared to theirs. Uh, I, I can't just seeing what they go through, the the injuries that they sustain, and uh, the lack of care and compassion that they they get at these places. It's I, I don't have words for it. Uh, so. So if, if if they could bear that cross, then I should be able to bear it too. Wow, that's so powerful, Jim. And, you know, there are support groups for, <clears throat> I'm sure you know about this, for undercover investigators. I've, I've talked to many and they're all traumatized. They have nightmares, they have PTSD, 
I mean, it's, it's, I would say it's one of the hardest jobs on the planet and my heart goes out to them and I don't know how they do it. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I, I honestly would not be able to do it. And, um, I just cannot even imagine what they go through, not just once or for five minutes. I was traumatized just watching the video. I'm talking about day after day, week after week, they've got to go back. They can't just go one day because they'll say, well, you took it out of context. Um, all right, we got another caller. Annie, your question or thought? Hi, yes. Thank you so much for having me. My gosh, Jim, I, you know, I cry for what you see. Just the, the scenes of what you've captured is really traumatizing. I cannot say, thank you all for the incredible, I mean, words cannot express how appreciative um, I am. And I think I could speak for all. We all are for what you expose because uh, I remember the trucks, the, the cars, the, the, the chickens, the animals I see. That trauma stays with me for a week and I'm not even going in and investigating. So infinite thanks and blessings to you. Um, I wanted to know, uh, can you tell me if there is, I ask this question again and again because our tax dollars are paying and there's another aspect that I want to say, I bring in. USDA is hand in hand with what's going on because the money is being made. But our tax money, I want to know, how can we make it illegal for those of us who are not eating animals? If we voice out, we can speak out for towards our money, our money power, our taxes that are being going, going towards these bloody murder, liar, propag lie propaganda industries of hell. It's hell on earth infinite for the animals in the animal agriculture. No matter what anybody says, there's no other way around it. But the exposure of it, I can't thank you enough. And if we could, you can address how can we make it illegal for vegans, vegetarians, they could join in, whoever wants to join in, our tax money that goes towards them. Billions and billions, more than $50 billion goes in their pocket every year. So they continue doing what they're doing, using that money against us to abuse us furthermore. Very more good. Than the animals, Annie, Annie, you know, uh, you're that, making that they are abusing to shut us down. You are making incredible points. I want to go back to Cheryl Leahy on that. Cheryl, um, you know, Annie's talking about the fact that the U.S. government subsidizes this industry. Right. And Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey has made a point saying the vast majority of subsidies go into either for cattle grazing or for growing commodity crops that are fed to these animals. Meanwhile, it's contributing mightily to climate change and preventable human diseases like heart disease. I mean, the farm bill is coming up in October. Uh, if they do another five years, because they do the farm bill for five years where they just do business as usual, uh, that's game over possibly for planet Earth. Yeah, I think people don't realize just how exceptional animal agriculture is treated as though it is, right? It's getting very special treatment. It's getting, functionally speaking, in most cases, a free pass. There's a big kind of David and Goliath dynamic that's going on here when it comes to advocacy versus the industry, because especially when you look at the industry as inclusive of these, these government subsidies, you know, USDA, right? They're all kind of working together to try to promote animal agriculture products. There's a fascinating history about why, 
But I think what's interesting here is it, you know, it's an opportunity for education once again. It's an opportunity to say, did you know that your perception of this is being manipulated by the fact that there are tens of billions of dollars going into this every year? So let me ask you, I think we're done with the callers, but I have a couple of general questions. What is Animal Outlook doing uh, regarding the fine bill, which is coming up for renewal? Um, and how do you how do you reach out to people on Capitol Hill to get them? Like, I would love to see everybody, every member of Congress, every U.S. senator be forced to watch your undercover video. Um, although I don't know if it would even move the needle because once many years ago after the Hallmark uh, scandal where um, it was horrific, horrific video caught on tape, and I managed to get in there with uh, an organization and show it to a so-called progressive environmental uh, legislator and uh, congressman. And, you know, he couldn't wait to get us out of the office. He, he didn't even want to be quoted because he was afraid, well, maybe if I'm quoted, you know, this industry is so powerful. And it's also aligned with the pharmaceutical industry, because when people get sick from eating uh, fast food, the pharmaceutical industry is there with the cholesterol-lowering drugs and blah, blah, blah. So they're very intertwined. And the big pharma has, you know, I believe is arguably the biggest uh, force on Capitol Hill with the most number of lobbyists. They're certainly in the in the top whatever. So what are we doing to, to stop subsidizing our own destruction? Yeah. I mean, that's a wonderful phrase. I think it's really important. And it's, you know, unfortunately an incredibly big task. There's a lot of kind of money and power and entrenched dynamics that go into it. One thing I will highlight, and this is sort of farm bill linked. We, Animal Outlook was one of the defendant intervenors, a party in the Prop 12 case, along with HSUS and the state of California and several other organizations. You know, after the Supreme Court victory a couple of weeks ago in the Prop 12 case, the there has been a lot of discussion around something called the EATS Act, which is an attempt, you know, by the industry and kind of industry-aligned interests to nullify all of the progress that's been made in some of these animal welfare laws. I mean, even if you're not a person who believes that, you know, the animal welfare laws are doing enough, which, you know, they're just the start, in my opinion, I think this is a good, I think prop, the Prop 12 victory gave us, you know, a, a nice kind of um, moment of encouragement to go forward, right? I mean, the, the quote that I pulled from that opinion was something like the power to determine things that sort of moral laws and policies belong to the people and their elected representatives. So don't forget, we all have political power, right? I mean, it's just a question of, you know, are we out, are we sort of outgunned by the other side? But it should be encouraging to kind of keep going forward. Now, right well, after that, you have to- jump, I have to jump in and, and say that who's going to enforce this? I mean, um, direct action everywhere went into a, a, a Utah Yep. massive pig facility that had said that they had stopped using pig gestation rates and they were using them still. Uh, and uh, for, for their effort to show that they were prosecuted. Luckily the, the jury found them not guilty. Uh, well, but I think, uh, yes, I think this is why I go back to transparency, right? We don't understand just how much is being hidden from us. And how much, I mean, you, you can look at the whole ag-gag history, you can look at, you know, the history of open rescues as, as you're describing and the types of investigations that we do, which are, are different nowadays, they're different. But I think the point is, 
we need to know, we need to be able to see, and it's our job, you know, as advocates and, you know, lawyers or otherwise in the movement to use this as an encouragement to keep pushing forward, right? Now, the EATS Act is something that's really tangible that people should be aware of because if it passes, it would kind of just eviscerate a lot of those the progress of those laws. And that would take us back. I think the idea that the pork industry could say, well, we're going to, you know, we can argue that we're going to lose money on this. So, you know, the, all of the political will that was done in this democratic way of the, of the California people um, should just be completely erased. That's absurd. I mean, the amount of kind of upending of the democratic process that that kind of indicates and, you know, that was not an easy fight in that Supreme Court case. Well, let me ask you a couple of questions. You're saying in response to the Supreme Court upholding Prop 12, um, there is a new proposal in Congress that would basically dial back Prop 12 anyway? And a bunch of other laws. Okay. And so where is that in the process? Is it before committee? Where, where, where is it? I know it's moving fairly quickly. I don't know exactly what the timeline and dates are, but this is the time to educate people about it and have people, I can, I can send you all a link to post on your materials to the HSUS fact sheet about it, because it's, it's really important for people to get active in this moment to protect some of the advances that we made so far as a movement. And why, um, how, what's happening with the farm bill? Because of all the things that worry me, it's like, oh, my tax dollars going once again to subsidize this industry for the next five years. You know, what can we do to um, make sure or to try to adjust that farm bill, which is essentially subsidizing animal agriculture? Uh, the average hamburger would cost so much more. People say, well, people are going to eat what they want to eat. No, if the average hamburger was $25, you can be absolutely certain that a lot fewer people would be eating it. There's a wonderful, on that point, there's a wonderful resource by Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine that actually visually shows you this. So they show you, back in the day, it was the pyramid, now it's the plate, the nutrition recommendations, um, which are already heavily influenced by industry, I think. But, you know, you, the whole idea is that it's supposed to be a proportion. And they did the same kind of thing and, and did what you did earlier by juxtaposing the kind of differences. And they show that if you do it by what's subsidized, you see an um, um, enormous amount, like the you know the 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 meat and the grain pieces, feed grain pieces explode, and the fruit and vegetables just becomes a teeny tiny line. So, even if the government itself is saying you should be eating the, a more balanced diet, right? Uh, the amount of money that they're putting in so disadvantages the plant-based foods, the good healthy foods um, that you know we're in such an uphill battle. And so the idea that we're just going to kind of you know, go after these subsidies sort of full force and, and turn that around tomorrow, I think is, you know, we of course would love that, but we're not. And we're not, Analog is not primarily a legislative and lobbying organization. We do support and we love it when they use our images from our investigations and we can support with our legal team some of these efforts and stuff. But really there are other bigger groups that are out there doing this kind of work. I just think it's a long process and it's something that is such a big issue to tackle, to dismantle. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, time is running out, you know, and that's not me saying it. Look at the incredible documentary by Sarah David Attenborough streaming on one of the big streamers. Um, there's nine boundaries approximately. There's, it's like uh, you can count them on your hand. Once you cross them, like the collapse of the ice caps, 
You, you can't go back on Amazon and order new ice caps. Okay. It's over. And we are bursting through those ex- species extinction. We are bursting through those. And once those are uh, done, you know, we could have a, an ecological collapse that threatens life uh, for humanity on this planet. And despite all this, uh, it seems like, oh, we're going to have business as usual for the next five years subsidizing big ag. I mean, it's outrageous. Uh, I know that Senator Cory Booker, I saw a video of him holding up and says, why do we subsidize, you know, commodity crops that go to feed animals like this? And we do the vegetables, fruits, nuts and grains for humans like this. And he has legislation. I mean, I think every animal organization, every vegan organization, every organization that cares about the environment should be totally behind him. It's it's a frustrating situation. And, you know, I was listening to a history course, the great courses. I, I do enjoy them while I walk. And this professor who is no vegan, I mean, he was just giving a history course, said, you know, the people on Easter Island um, many, 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 many hundreds of years ago, it's a very isolated island. And um, they started chopping down all their trees so they could roll those big giant statues that they're famous for. And he said at one point they had to realize if they chopped down the last tree, they were in big trouble because they wouldn't be able to build boats to get out of there. But they did it anyway. He said that, and it really struck me. It was like they did it anyway. And it sparked an a, a civilization collapse mm-hmm. in the Easter Island. Uh, so are we there? Is that is that what we're facing, Cheryl? I mean, what I would say is animal agriculture, I always say this and I challenge people to counter when they learn more about it, is the biggest social justice issue facing modern times, right? It's the, the biggest existential threat to life on earth, human and non-human life. And that is because it's not just the animal treatment issues, which is, you know, our kind of biggest focus, which is horrible and just absolutely on its own should be able to be persuasive that we should do something about this issue. But when you add in things like the environmental issue that we're talking about, you know, the massive contribution to species loss, climate change, and all sorts of other major environmental harms, human health issues, right? I mean, we're all the things that are killing the, you know, they call them the diseases of affluence, right? That's all very linked to eating animal product diets and, you know, the human rights issues. And, you know, there's just, it goes on and on, right? There's, there's no single issue that touches everything so dramatically and kind of presents such a major uh, urgent challenge to us as, as a planet, as the planetary society. Now, the upside to that, I believe, is that it gives us a lot of opportunity to find a place to jump in and help, right? To find a place to jump in and do something and to come together around this issue generally. Now, we have to understand our opposition, right? And what you're talking about is is definitely um, a huge, huge challenge to, to overcome. But I totally agree with you. We need to be doing it and dismantling this industry, you know, because our lives and the lives of other, you know, non-humans that don't have a say in this, right? We're doing it to them. Um, You know, they all depend on that. We are out of time. I want to thank the amazing Cheryl Leahy, executive director of Animal Outlook, and the extraordinary Jim, undercover investigator, who joined us today. 
Uh, wow. Uh, it's an honor to have both of you on. And I'll take this last 20 seconds to tell everybody, please, if you haven't already, download the Unchained TV free streaming app. You can download it for free on your phone. Just put in one word, Unchained TV, in your app store and just hit download. It's absolutely free. There's thousands of videos that you can text to people. You have somebody who says, what do you eat grass? There's tons of cooking shows you can text them. There's documentaries. You can also download it on your TV via Amazon Fire Stick, Roku device, or your, if you have an Apple TV device, and you can watch it online. But we urge you to download it so that you can send out the videos. Uh, I just want to thank everybody who is uh, a part of Unchained TV. It's an almost exclusively volunteer organization. And please, please, um, let's do this. Let's get the word out to the people who need to hear it. See you next time. Thank you, Jane. Thank you for tuning in to Unchained TV. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.